Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, good evening, Facebook family, and welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose. With me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guidance, servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa Brian Post. Happy freaking fabulous Friday, everyone. Freaking fabulous Friday. Freaking fabulous Friday. My favorite tongue twister all of the tongue twister universe. I hope you guys have had a fantastic week and you're ending it on a high note. I'm feeling a little tired, but that's all good. That's all good. You know, there's I don't have Fridays. I have freaking fabulous next day and freaking fabulous next day and freaking fabulous next day. So here I am with another episode of the Daily Dose. And today I thought I would talk about the authentic acknowledgement of what you're feeling, of your emotional state, whether negative or positive and whatever else may pop into my head in any given moment because I have a tendency for that to happen. And then that's it. So hello there, Mimi. It's always good to see you. Um, so the, the authentic acknowledgement of negative emotion. Hello, Tammy Cavanaugh. I was talking to one of my, one of my parents and she was, she made the statement that she didn't want to talk to some of her family members because they would question whether she could be successful with the child and maybe she needed to give up and maybe things were too bad and, and she didn't want to hear any of that because she didn't need to hear any of that. She needed to block all that out. So that's what actually triggered the thought for today. It reminds me of a family I used to work with. Many, many, many moons ago in Wyoming, they had 17 kids, and this one little child was adopted from a Romanian orphanage, just uh, quite a unique little kiddo. Hello there, Margina, one of my top fans, and hello there, Sephora. And uh, one of the things that I had to do was practicing what I called cognitive negative awareness, and it is the verbal expression of the negative state that you are feeling. My belief being that once you deny a feeling state, whether it's a positive feeling state or whether it's a negative feeling state, that state only grows. So I'm going to say that again. Once you deny a feeling state, that state only grows. So it is not uncommon for us to feel something negative and instead of um, feeling it and talking about it and looking at it, we just try to push it away. And I feel like that is really the wrong thing to do. And a lot of times it comes, it comes to that with our kids in a couple of different ways. So one is just the feeling state itself. It's just the, <clears throat> the acknowledgement that you're tired, that you can't do this anymore, that you don't want to do it anymore, that you want to give up, whatever it may be. That is such a big, a big experience that we don't want to we think that by really honoring that, we're giving it more life. Well, in a sense, you are. But the life you're giving it is like anything that you shine. Anything that's dark and you shine a light on it, it makes it go away. Giving it life is giving it life and the ability to move outside of you. It's taking a negative energy state and honoring it so it can dissipate and it can go away. So I think that authentic acknowledgement of emotional states is very important. 
You don't have to deny what you're experiencing. You literally can't. Alan Shore says the core of the self is nonverbal and unconscious and lies and patterns of affect regulation. Why just take that and I rework that to say it's not what you say or what you do. It's how you feel when you're doing and saying it. So if you're feeling negatively, but you're doing and you're saying something different, guess what? The energy of the negative state is getting communicated anyway. And the problem with that, with adopted children, specifically with foster children, is that they are so sensitive to abandonment and rejection that they experience the negative energetic state. They interpret it as something being wrong with them. And then they act out even more because they become even more stressed because it becomes so much more predictable and inconsistent. Whereas when a parent says, you don't have to say, I'm sick of you and I don't want you in my home anymore. But what you can say and what you can honor is that I'm really tired. I'm really sad. I'm really scared. And I need to just take some time for myself. You do have the ability to say that. So it was interesting. I had another conversation with a parent where, oh, it was this morning, actually, about a teenager and the parent. In, and so the parent's belief that, let me see how I put that together. Oh, yes, yes, actually. So it was the belief, oh, this is so important. So the parent's feeling upset and feeling tired and feeling overwhelmed. Child is upset and tired and overwhelmed, but child is the one who's setting the thermostat and parent says, we don't have help, we don't have support, so we're kind of stuck. So parent is actually feeling helpless and victimized by the child. And what I said to the parent is that you think that walking on eggshells, and you guys have heard me say this before, you think that walking on eggshells is actually maintaining some state of calm like the child is feeling good so all of a sudden you guys are walking on eggshells trying to maintain that state of calm because you need rest you need a break but in fact by walking on eggshells you're actually operating in a state of stress which then creates a dynamic where it tends that it, it's going to tend to lend itself towards the child getting overwhelmed even sooner and acting out more therefore you guys are more tired where, where the point is that walking on eggshells is not being calm. Walking on eggshells is not getting rest. It is, I would rather you not walk on those eggshells, crunch them all the hell, yell and scream and rant and rave if that is the authentic acknowledgement of where you're at. And then even if the child gets upset, which they may or they may not, because they are so... They're so used to you walking on eggshells and trying to make it okay, trying to make things calm. Sometimes you don't need to try to make things calm. Sometimes you actually need to stir the pot and you need to do it consciously and you need to do it passionately and that can even feel aggressive, but it doesn't have to be driven from a place of fear. It can be driven from a place of love and mindfulness and clarity. When you are constant, consistently and, and mindfully and, and consciously stirring the pot, even more consciously more than consistent, consciously stirring the pot, stirring it all up, you can be very mindful that you're doing it. And when you're very mindful that you're doing it, you don't have to be so stressed. You're not reactive. You're actually responsive. 
So the child is actually thrown off guard because they are because they are they are experiencing this being this this energy being stirred up, and they're used to being the ones that are controlling the thermostat. But suddenly you're 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 stirring up the energy, and they don't know what to do with that. And so it's like Christy just said, the, the incongruence of what you're going back to. Um, the core of the self is the communication is nonverbal and unconscious and lies in patterns of affect regulation. And you can be upset, but not be acting upset. That incongruence is actually confusing more so more, even more than confusing. It's threatening. So you have to understand when you are not authentically acknowledging your emotional state, you're sending off a vibration that is literally threatening to your child because they're trying to predict what's going on. And so instead of walking on eggshells, why not stir the pot up? Because your child's going to get upset anyway. It's a lot of times what I tell parents who have kids on medication. Do not take your children off of medication because Big Papa makes the statement. Always do that with the oversight of a physician. I am not a physician. But a lot of times I'll tell parents, your kids are already acting crazy. Obviously, the five medications you have them on are not helping. Because if they were helping, they would not be acting so crazy. So what would your child actually look like without any medication? Then at least you know there's no chemicals that may be enhancing or intensifying what you're already experiencing. See, a lot of times the fear of the parent, like the fear of the psychiatrist, is taking the child off the drugs or backing the drugs down because they're afraid it's going to get worse. In a lot of situations, a lot of families I work with, it couldn't get any worse than it already is. Right. So let's just get a let's just get a clean slate of blood and brain and chemicals and hormones and work with that. If it's already shitty, let's go ahead and work with it as completely shitty as it can possibly be, because then we know we have nowhere to go but up. OK. A lot of times in stress and fear, you can't take that same perspective. Annalisa says, so if they trash the house and you ask them to help pick it up, how do you do this most appropriately? So, <laughs> Christy could probably write a book on that. Um, you ask them to trash a house, they trash the house and you ask them to help pick it up. Well, you can ask. I'd probably wait. So here's what i do, actually, Annalisa, here's what i do. I would wait. I would ask them to help you pick it up once things are calm, but I would only ask them to pick up a certain, a certain area because the whole house is too overwhelming. If you have a child who just trashed your house, then emotionally they are not, they are not congruent with their chronological and cognitive age. They're emotionally regressed. So at whatever age they're emotionally regressed, that's the age you should ask them to pick up or to help pick up, help pick up. That way it's going to be less overwhelming. And the less overwhelming, the more likely they are to be successful in helping you. Otherwise, you just got to pick it up. You're not going to leave the mess. Just pick it up. And then what you actually do, see, this is where it gets, it gets real interesting from a love-based paradigm, is by picking it up, you're actually creating a scenario where they feel more guilt and they feel more shame because they are operating in a place of threat. And so when they come down from that place of threat, the seeing you pick it up, there's a sense, there's a sense of shame, unspoken, unspoken shame that occurs. They need to have that experience, right? Because if they've torn up your house and they come back out 
and everything's still there and you're like, you're going to clean this up. Then the threat just occurs. It just picks right back up. But see, traditionally from a, from a, from a fear-based traditional parenting perspective, we think that if we pick up the house and we're letting our kids get away with something. See, I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that number one, you pick it up for your own sanity because you don't want to see that mess any longer. Number two, as I said, ask your child to help you pick up something, but give them a little space between their upset and their and their regulation, or at least their calm their come down from their dysregulation to be able to help you with that. And then that way you don't have to you don't have to get so overwhelmed with it. But number three, by picking up, you're actually creating a dynamic the single greatest dynamic for them to actually feel ashamed of their behavior because they are expecting a fight around the mess. They're expecting you to want them to pick it up. When you pick it up, it's like, oh gosh. They almost don't get an opportunity to get let off the hook. So it gets real confusing when you start dwelling in what love looks like as opposed to the conditioning of the fear we've been raised and inundated with. See, all, I'm going to say almost, almost fundamentally, the moment you start practicing love-based parenting in the midst of stress and fear and overwhelm, it's going to feel like you're letting your kid get away with stuff. But what I am doing and what I'm helping you to see is that in the letting them get away with stuff, you're actually removing the threat so they start to think more clearly about their actions. When they can start to think more clearly about their actions, they can actually start to have more remorse and more, more guilt. So it's a, it's a very, very tricky dynamic and it takes lots of repetition. That's why failing in this is absolutely necessary because that's the only way you can learn. But the thing is, is we have to learn as the parents, because if we cannot learn and change our brains, our children cannot learn and change their brains. And this really does become about changing the brain, repetition patterns. Uh, Annalise says, I usually pick it up when she isn't here, isn't here, so that's good to know. All right, well, keep it, keep it up. Thank you so much, Denise. And uh, I lives in hyperventilation. I am so overwhelmed. Yes, especially Lynn says she has a teen son that lives in a hypervigilant state. And she's overwhelmed. So think about that statement, Lynn. If you're overwhelmed, that means both of you are overwhelmed. So both of you are overwhelmed. And what's what, what are three things you can do? Now, I want you to think about this going into the weekend. For the weekend, here's your assignment. What are three things you can do to reduce stress? And what are three things you can do to increase oxytocin in relationship. I want you to do less of the things that you do that increase stress, and I want you to do more of the things that increase oxytocin in relationship. Sometimes we get so mired in the stress and the overwhelm. We get so mired in the fight with our kids around trauma, and it's all trauma. When you're in, when you're in a home and Shit's going crazy. Everyone's experiencing their trauma. Everyone's stuff is getting stirred up at the deepest level. What we forget to do is to just focus on the relationship. 
Sometimes it can be so chaotic, it can be so overwhelming that we forget to focus on the relationship. What can you do to invest some time, just even if it's just a little bit, in the relationship, even when you feel tired and even when you don't really want to do it? And that's the best thing to do is to authentically acknowledge that emotional state. So I hope that's helpful, guys. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. It's beautiful weather here in Crescent City. And I'm going to hang out with a lot of kids this weekend. So I hope you have an amazing, amazing weekend. I hope you're able to be uplifted and restored in your heart, in your soul. And I'm going to pray for you guys and pray for every one of you that you'll be uplifted and restored, made whole in your ability to be in a state of love and to not let fear continue to push on you because I know it can be so overwhelming. God bless each and every one of you. Big Papa loves you so much. Remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. You can continue to react from the same blueprints of stress, fear, and overwhelm, or you can stop, slow down, take three to 10 deep breaths, and choose love. I had a dad tell me this morning, I took way more than 10 deep breaths last night. <laughs> All right, guys. Love you. Talk to you Monday. I'll be here. Should be here Monday. I'm kind of on a roll with this whole daily dose thing. I mean, this is like two weeks straight now. I haven't missed a single day. And I have thought about it. Like, just let that be known. I have thought about it several days over the last two weeks. But I'm, I'm on a roll. So we're, we're going to keep working on it. All right, guys. We'll see you later.